It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. I am your host, Kyle. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. Deep voice over there, Matt. What you been doing? Oh, Kyle, we've had a heck of a week off. Vacation week, they said. But what it is, is turned into Matt's projects around the house for the wife uh, week with uh, redoing the flooring in our house. So I'm a little exhausted today. Well, I mean, I thought maybe it was the fact of uh, seeing that your uh, teams are not doing so well in the playoffs. Hey, well, hey, you speak for yourself. We're doing pretty good. You're in the bottom of the barrel, if I remember correctly. Maybe so, but I've still got the most points to pick up afterwards, even though I went four and four in the playoffs. You mean like round one? Yeah. Yep. He's still got a lot of points. I think you're like third or fourth for total points. I actually have the highest total points possible still in play. But that said, it was a good first round for us, fellas. We're looking a lot better than last year. I'll put it like that. I think me and you went six and two. Yeah. And and honestly, like, I think you and I have more points than we did last year already. Yeah. Because it's already looking way better for our picks. And let me tell you, there's been some super exciting first round matchups. And, uh, man, I was just ready for playoff hockey, fellas. So the recap is what we did on our brackets. I picked the Panthers to win the cup. Um, Dan picked the Blues to win. And then Matt has picked the Canes to win the cup. After the Panthers. Yes, after the Panthers. So, and right now, we'll go over real quick and see, you know, this exciting first round. I believe we had five game sevens, which has not happened in many, many years. And so the first thing we'll go across is that the Wild lost 4-2 to the Blues, which was a coin toss, as I said, Daniel, that it could go either way on that. Yeah, I, I was kind of shocked that it didn't go to seven games. Um, I mean, you guys didn't have St. Louis in six like I did? Or did yeah. I pick seven? I think you picked seven. Oh, okay. We Never all mind. picked seven. Never mind. Yeah, yeah shocker. <laughs> yeah, we all picked seven. No, that was the one that we'd all decided on, too. Remember, we'd all said that if we didn't pick the Blues or we didn't pick the Wild, we would have probably picked the other one and probably had them in the conference finals, if not winning. Um, both those teams have been hot, and it was a good series, but I just thought it was going to be a little bit more competitive. The Blues seemed to be a little bit more physical, uh, than the Wild, and I think that did bite them. I do know, I think there was a couple times, uh, and Matt, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think Fleury got uh, scratched, I guess. And, uh, the was last it, game, was the it, elimination uh, game, yeah. they decided to play Cam Talbot, which Talbot. I had a problem with. Now, Fleury wasn't like going out and stealing the game, but he was like fine. But what the problem here, so everybody had a problem with Talbot being put in because he hasn't played in weeks. He hadn't played any of the playoffs. Fleury played the other six games. But then they're like, oh, desperation. We're in elimination game, so let's try something different. So that's I like it generally when people do that. But goalies are such a fickle beast. You can't just throw in a goalie who is who hasn't played in weeks. So that was that was five to one, by the way, that night. Game over. Right from the first one, you could tell it left Talbot unsettled and it got in his head immediately. You could tell it was game over right from that first goal. So I didn't appreciate that. And on top of that, Fleury's gotten so much disrespect the last couple of years. You gotta go with him for game seven, man. Come on, disrespect again. So I hate to see it, but I think they got what they deserve. St. Louis was the better team in the end, and uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that that was kind of interesting to me. But like you said, I mean, when he comes out there, he just didn't seem quite all together. 
I mean, he pretty much got hosed. It was five to one. Game was pretty much over. And then at that point, you know, and and that's game six too. Like I really feel like you should have probably led with your acquisition. Like that's my whole thing. Is like you picked up Flurry for this reason, like a veteran goaltender. I I don't know. It's kind of weird. They were kind of playing like a one A one B situation. You know, kept him on a very short leash. But I'm like. He is a Stanley Cup winner for a reason, you know. So um, kind of interesting decisions made up there. And I know the Minnesota Wild fans were upset on Twitter. Oh, my. If you thought it was bad, the Preds, they were literally – they're just ready to, to to sell off everybody and just start with a full rebuild. And I know their cap situation is really bad the next couple of years too because I think they have two cap hits, buyouts that are like – Yes. Almost eight mil a piece. So it's, it's a bad situation for them and – Basically, this was their year, and they they had all their marbles on this year, and uh, I don't even think Fiala will be back with them because I don't think they're going to be able to sign them. I, I, they won't even have enough money. So that said, I think that was it for the the Wild. This was a nice little run that they've had the last couple of years, but um, there's going to be some restructuring for sure. Their next option was Kings lose 4-3 to the Oilers. Sorry, not option game. And our next game was Kings lose 4-3 to the Oilers. And Matt, you and I both picked the Kings to win this and upset the Oilers. Daniel, I believe you picked the Oilers to win. And Matt, we almost got it. We went to game seven. And this is probably one of my favorite series overall to watch. What did you agree? Yeah, I mean, you know, they were a wild card. It was, uh, I believe, a wild card. Oh, sorry, they were a three seed. Uh, they so were a it three was, seed. they were massively an underdog. So I knew we had a bit of a challenge. Uh, it was an uphill fight. But took him to game seven, you know, having Dowdy out definitely sucks. That's the biggest guy to have out. Uh, I thought if you could shut down McDavid and or Dreisaitl, you're doing pretty good. They did their part, man. You can't expect more from the LA Kings who was missing their best piece. And at least, hey, at least if the if the Kings lose, the upside is, hey, we get to see Connor McDavid in the second round. So I'm okay with that. I will say this, Mick David had a monster first round against the Kings. He was the only reason why they probably progressed. Um, yeah. He had 14 points in seven games. I, I mean, 14 points in a, in a first round series. That's incredible. Uh, he was doing everything he possibly could. There was one goal, I think, I can't remember which game. But he, I mean, basically it was him versus the Kings. And it was he was like behind the goal, he had one shot, and then he comes back around, and he does like a backhand. I mean, it was crazy. He had like three shots on goal in that sequence alone, and he could not be denied. Like, he wants that second round so bad. But a little bit of foreshadowing, they're going to be running into another team that is definitely hot as well. And, um, yeah, it was a fun series to watch, though, overall. Um, I did not expect the Kings to push them to seven. Uh, they are scrappier than we gave them credit for. Um, but that said, too many pieces out, Dowdy out, just wasn't enough to overcome that, especially when you're talking dry side on McDavid. Um, McDavid just had a monster series, and uh, I mean, give give him credit; he got him to the second round, uh, despite their defensive woes. Yeah, apparently, uh, you know, we talked about the metrics of <clears throat> of the Kings and their defense, and I thought that's why they put possibly could pull one out by shutting down their lines but actually if I, as I'm looking at the stats it looks like McDavid and Drysaddle are both one and two in points in the postseason yep. so it's not just they had one or two lucky games they've been able to be consistent and nobody's been able to shut them down thus far well the the one thing and I've said this every year and McDavid even backed me up in his post game press conference for whatever game it was they scored four goals and they lost that night, and he said four goals should be enough. And I was like, you know, you're probably right, but at the same time, too, 
look at the team, and you know that this team has been defensively challenged for several years. But, I mean, he straight out called them out on it. Um, it is what it is. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. If they struggled that hard against the Kings, I think they're going to struggle a little harder in the second round. So I will say one stat that had me favoring the Kings in Game 7 was because Quick is 4-0 and in Game 7s with a .345 save percentage. He uh, is high on the all-time list. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's on high on the all-time list for most consecutive playoff starts as well. So, it, you know, it's kind of a theme. I, I said it with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I, I believe it with the Blues as well. It's that I don't really know that – I can't think of the right word for it, but it's like a, a veteranship of being in the playoffs so long that helps you, I don't know, help you eke out a win. It, it's a certain veteranness with the playoffs, and Quick has that. Same thing with the Blues. You know, they it took him to Game Seven. Well, this is where champions are made, and people who have like a stone cold ice on the veins, they don't get nerves. That's where the Blues could could uh, we eke out a win in Game Seven. And I thought Quick could do it, but <clears throat> he could only do it so much. So, let's go to the next one, Kyle. All right, so our next one is going to be the Stars oh. lose four three in a Game Seven to the Flames, and. This is the year that the Flames finally got over the hump. They've beat us a couple of years. We pick them. They lose. But, you know, even though the Flames advance, I think the takeaway is that the Stars have a great goalie of the future, oh Jake my. Ottinger. It was amazing. He almost stole Game 7, but Johnny Goudreau finally got that. And did you, uh, unless you guys saw it, there's a reaction from the uh, Flames fans that are outside the stadium. Goudreau takes that first shot, oh, misses. Dude gets the rebound, throws it back in, that place went nuts. And I mean, like, the margin of error on his shot, I mean, it was like this much. And he put it post and in because nothing was getting past Andrew that night. I mean, he had already had like 60-something saves. The kid had a .9, like, 5-7 save percentage for the entire series, and they lost. If you would have told me that that was the actual case – going in, like, that he would have that high of a number, I would have said the Stars would have won in, like, five or six. No. Somehow, the Flames eked it out. But the problem is, the Stars are offensively challenged. And we knew that going in. They had a good defense, and they've always had a good defense the, the whole season. They've kept games close. And I, I and we I think we even said this, Matt, that we thought the games were going to be very close, either one or two points. And most of them were until the very end. Um... I mean, absolutely incredible series. This was high-flying, high shots on goal for the Flames. It was basically just like circle the wagons for the Stars, and Ottinger stood on his head for almost the entire series. Credit to him. Fantastic. They got a great goalie moving forward. He he did fairly well in the regular season, too. I think it was like a .912 or something save percentage in the regular season. So he's definitely been solid. He stepped it up for the playoffs. Um, but... Sad news, though, came out today. Sounds like Rick is out there, so that's going to be kind of interesting. I knew he had a press like a press release where he said something with like him and his wife, Judy, had talked about it, and they said basically like moving forward, they felt like it was best that somebody else take over and step in and like have like new leadership for the Stars, which I thought was very strange considering how well he did with that group. Yeah. Um, so there's kind of some... Some weird stuff going on in the background, so we'll, we'll see what happens with that as we get more news, but that literally is fresh off the press probably a couple hours ago. Yeah, I also saw they have a couple assistant coaches that aren't returning yeah. as well. No, the whole staff is like gone, so all the assistants went with him, Yeah, which is crazy. 
I, I don't take that to be any disrespect to Rick Bonus himself because I, my understanding was he is a he is a massive veteran. He's been there a long not in Dallas a long time, but he's been around the league a long time. He's very well respected. Did great in Dallas, so maybe just the management wants to go in a different direction. Maybe they were trying to go rebuild mode or something. I don't really know because yeah, they have had success. So you know, they went to the finals what a couple years ago. Yeah. Well, the fact that the assistant staff is all stepping down as well with him kind of leans into the fact that like this man is respected like the fact yeah. that he's out and they're like no you're leaving we're out too like yeah. it kind of lends me to think that there's something going on with the management in the background because they're kind of like eh, like now that rick's gone no way i'm staying you know yeah. kind of deal but uh you know speaking for the series ottinger was must be, he had he had the con Smythe trophy for for round one he should have won the con Smythe. he was the best and i've heard a lot of people say that was the best goaltender performance they've ever seen so the the takeaway which is kind of foreshadowing to the next series when calgary goes on to the next uh it wasn't that calgary wasn't so good that dallas could i believe i think dallas is the wild card right yeah dallas is the wild card so it's not that calgary is horrible it was that jake ottinger yes. single-handedly did that and you can see i think it was through six games, or was it first th- through? Th- I got a stat right here. I should just pull up my stat. Uh, it was something like uh, they had three goals in three games against Dallas, but in the first sixty seconds, oh like, yeah, they had three no, goals. No, so I Calgary. counted. I counted it up. They had like twenty nine goals combined. Um, the Flames and Stars combined had like twenty nine goals in the entire series. The Oilers and the Flames in first game had fifteen goals. Yeah. It was more than half. More than half of the entire series was scored in one game. Yeah, they scored. I know the first game they scored twice in the first 60 seconds, which just goes to show you Calgary's still hot. It just, they got, yeah. this is what happens when you don't have Jake Ottinger in that. Yeah. And it's been fun to watch because honestly, guys, the East has been where my mind has been. I've just been like, I got a rock hard rocket for the East Coast right now because that's the games. It's all about the East Coast. The West is, is relatively boring comparatively, but uh, yeah. Well, you're talking about the East. Before we go into the Preds-Avs, which is going to be the last game of the series we're going to talk about, let's go into the East. So Capitals lose. I'm sorry. Leafs lose 4-3 to the Lightning. Oh, man. What a series, baby. I had the Leafs winning. I believe both of you guys had the the Bolts winning. And you know what? I thought they were going to do it. But when they lost game six, it just fell. I knew. I knew in my heart. I was like, they dropped game six. They let it get out of hand. Game seven is going to come. And they're going to lose. And I should have put money on Matt that they were going to lose. I did. And in fact, uh, one of our little TikTok videos, shorts from the podcast, I put up online and I said, Tampa's going to win game seven. That's got a lot of traction and people are really, it garnered some juicy discussion. And I guess what, at least I was right about it uh, this time. So it's been awesome. Yeah, they, the kids, Mitch Martin was this close to getting a goal. He couldn't handle it. The kids were too nervous. They lost in their own barn. Out of all the Game 7s, they were the only team that lost in, in their own barn. So uh, that's what you get. But again, that playoff contention, man, that's, that's Tampa Bay. And in fact, you know, I thought Tampa Bay was going to be a little exhausted and wore out and not wanted to go deep. But they're looking as strong as they did the last two years. Even better, maybe, because the COVID Cups are kind of like a fluke. It's kind of hard to really gauge because the atmosphere in the arena is differently. But this year, Tampa Bay is looking good, boys. And it would not surprise me if they beat Florida. Uh, shadow but yeah i should have picked them to win the whole thing again this year just to you know tick you off in the bracket for a three-peat but that said 
man, they look hot right now. That first round series was everything I wanted it to be, but I thought the Leafs had it wrapped up. But game six, man, that was the one that killed me because I'm like, the Leafs were up in the third period. And I'm like, this is it. Fellas, you just got to close it out right here. You are so close to getting out of the first round. Wrong. You had, I think it was, it might have been Stamkos or Kucherov scores, literally with like a few minutes left. They go into OT, point scores that one, and it goes to game seven, and I'm like, oh no. Like, you could sense all the Leaf fans online, like this weight just hit them, and they knew. And sure enough, that last game, I I, I could not believe it. Like, it, it was just one of those things they got up, I think it was um, they scored first, and then they ended up scoring in the second. And I kid you not, the amount of looks they had in the third period, the Leafs, I mean, they missed several. And it is what it is, but, I I mean, what a great series. They choked again. I I, I, Like, once again, I can't pick them to get out of the first round. I think they said they're the first sports team, professional sports team in, like, like ever to lose so many first rounds. There was a stat somewhere and I was trying to remember it, but it was absolutely abysmal and somewhere Steve Dangle was just weeping and crying and his blood pressure was all the way through the roof. So um, once again, it is what it is, but man, the Leafs cannot close. Well, you know, let me tell you, Tampa Bay not only is hot on the score sheet, but Vasilevsky is the best goalie of our era, I think. I think he's probably he's more clutch than Mark Andre Fleury for sure. Yeah. Now you might can talk about longevity or whatever, but Vasilevsky in the playoffs is money. And I've pulled up this stat in the last six series clinching games, Tampa Bay in my uh, Vasilevsky in six series clinching games, he's given up one goal. Yeah. In six yeah, and isn't it like after a loss, he's like 15-0 and 0 or something? Yes, they I mean, don't it's, lose it's, after a loss. It is unbelievable what this team does after a loss. Like, John Cooper somehow, he goes in there, gives them a pep talk, and they flip a switch because they always come back out and win, like no matter how bad it is. And I, I don't understand how yeah. they can do that. But once again, that goes back to the veteran presence. That team is full of Stanley Cup champions. I mean, they have done this multiple times now, and they know what it takes to get through the Stanley Cup, regardless of their seeding this year. You're seeing it. They're a three seed. Yeah. Um, Corey Pear is my hero. He's money. Mr. Clutch, like Justin Williams was. Uh, what else do I got to say about Tampa Bay? Uh, I'm going to oh, switch, what, I, sneak in here. Corey Perry is the best bargain player for the playoffs. I said this the other night. The last three years, I kept saying this, because people keep signing him to like the minimum contract every year, and somehow he shows up in the playoffs. He's playoff Wilson. But just Corey Perry. And he seems to be the new Marion Hosa because, you know how Hosa, whatever team won the cup, Hosa would switch to that team the next year. Well, now Perry went from, he went from, let's see, Dallas, then Montreal, and now Tampa. So he's another cup chaser, and now he's with Tampa. He's money. And I tell you what, another thing that stood out about Tampa before we switch is their, uh, is their, ability and willingness to lay bodies on the line. I've seen I am without anybody just saying anything about how they play watching them on the ice. They clog the inner slot so bad it hurts. They lay their bodies on the line. I'm talking like four bodies in the slot. Whenever somebody gets the gets the puck up at the point, they put four bodies to close the lane. There's no way you can even get through to Vasilevsky. And it takes a certain amount of grit and determination to put your body on the line in the first round. But that's the way they play, dude. It's going to it's going to be tough to beat these teams. 
weren't you saying too that Tampa Bay also wasn't doing well on the power play either to start? It's well, it's Florida. Florida. Well, Florida's I, like zero and twenty-five on the power play. Yeah, I, I had thought that was the case for the Lightning in the round one because they didn't look good, and then finally the other night against the Panthers, it was like the switch turned on, and it was like three or four. They scored like they three. Scored, they scored three power play goals. Power play goals. Yeah, and I was like, oh okay, they're back now, and that's the scary part is they weren't operating at a good level with the Leafs either. And now if they if they get their power play back, yeah, hello. And, and that's another theme uh, I've always preached that for years about how special teams is what makes or breaks you in the playoffs. And so like Florida, for instance, they were like in top two or three in power play in the league, and then now in round two they're down two games in their own barn because. Tampa Bay is on the power play and Florida can't score to save their life. And that's just if assuming everything else is tied, even strength, the special teams, you get a man advantage. That is the entire game right there, bro. Like like you said, game one, Tampa scored three on the power play. That's good, bro. That's the game. Yeah. Um, the Lightning are finally back up to sixth, even after last night's or the other night's performance of being like three out of four or four out of five, like whatever it was. Um, they're just now up to sixth place as far as power play is concerned. So the fact that they're getting that back up, watch out. And since we are talking about the Lightning and the Panthers, we'll go ahead and skip up to their game real quick they're playing. So Lightning lead 2-0. And Matt, you've been talking about how the special teams have really been helping this. Do you think the Panthers have the ability to go go into Tampa and come out somehow force a game five or game six? I, I'm not really seeing it. Tampa's looked hot. Florida has looked cold. Even in their building, it's been it's been so quiet. You can hear like the refs chatting on the ice. You can hear the players. You can hear like the skates on the ice. It's it's quiet. The fans aren't in it. So no wonder you lost in your barn because you you combat that with somebody like Carolina. Their team, their arena is screaming. And you go over to Florida, quiet as ice. They got no nobody backing them up. You're going against the defending champs. Come on, man. You got to get some energy, some juice in the building. Yeah, I, I don't want to be super critical of like other arenas, but like if you take some of the really good, like if you think fan arena, like Vegas, Nashville, Carolina, maybe you could throw in like Madison Square Garden, the Islander, you know, like they got some rowdy fans up there in New York. But when your team goes down, I feel like that's when the fans are needed the most at home, and that can give you a big boost. So like. The Preds have the standing O, you know, like the Hurricanes, man, they just, they, it's the same kind of concept. Like if your team is struggling, they need you to energize them. And the the teams know this and the, the players say this all the time, how much that gives them a boost, you know? Uh, I mean, that's just from the Nashville players. So if you go down one goal and if you're only down one goal and you can hear the refs chatting... Uh, that's a little bit of a problem, in my opinion. But that said, yeah, they're they're getting hosed right now, and now they've lost both. They lost both games at home, so now Tampa gets to go home and play in their barn. Um, maybe the Panthers can come back from this, but it is a big hole. I'll put it like that. That you've dug yourself a ditch at this point. So, what do you think the difference is between the Panthers and the Lightning's game versus when the Panthers were playing the Capitals? Because Panthers did beat the Capitals in a 4-2 series. So what's the difference between those two games? Honestly, I know this is going to hurt you. Capitals weren't a very good team this year, in my opinion. And they didn't even look very good against the Panthers. And the Panthers still look bad against the Capitals. And the crazy part is, the Capitals still look like they could have pulled out several of the wins. Because there were some games I was watching with the Panthers and the Capitals, 
the defense was so bad. Like people were just missing assignments. People were missing their 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 player, and like they would just be wide open. And I'm like, how does that happen? You know what I mean? It's just it didn't seem like both of those teams were either clicking if that makes sense. But Florida obviously is the better team of the two. So they went on. It's kind of like the Lightning. You know, they're super hot. They beat a very good team, the Leafs. Well, now you're running into a team that's super hot. You just beat a good team. And then you have a team that's not really click clicking and they beat a worse team. So it's kind of like, I, I think you're seeing the results of that. I also think I give a bit of a nod to John Cooper I've yeah. got a stat about John Cooper that I'll probably read later because I don't have it pulled up at the moment, but he's on fire. I think he takes some gutsy calls. I've seen him make some roster decisions. You know how you carry a certain number of forwards and a certain number of defensemen to dress every night, and he's changing those numbers up because he's trying to skirt, uh, like not play his fourth line and or not play his last pair of defensemen. He's taking some risk to get the matchups he wants and play his high his higher players more often, and he's taking these these type of like mindset changes and the way he approaches matchups and rosters that I think gives him the edge. And you know, not a shocker, he's been doing this for a couple years in a row. They've been making it deep, so I think he's really found whatever it is to uh to make it deep and that's just i know lavulette's a good coach but john cooper is is the man and so how do you feel about your bruins losing to the uh, hurricanes i know that correct me if i'm wrong didn't you originally have the bruins winning and then you flipped to the canes in the uh, resubmission after you gave us a hard time for not changing ours yeah that, that's true i love my bruins i wanted them to go but in the end i had to change my mind because and here's another thing i have to pick a certain number of upsets and i you know how did that go to game seven too i think I it mean, did go to game seven it was could, a good series yeah you can see it going either way and it had to pick some upsets but in the end you know i called it kyle i just see these things as they go i, sure I could you tell did. carolina was going to win that game you know Is that is that like, why you um, redid your bracket after yeah. after Gretzky came out with? His? Yeah, no, no. Well, I don't know about it. Was that. after okay? Uh, yeah, Gretzky went eight no in his bracket apparently. Uh, but yeah, I picked Carolina. It hurt to see Boston go down, but I've got the Canes, man. I like my underdog boys. You know, let's go. And uh, another thing with the Canes is that they're they're seven and zero when scoring first, and the entire first series. Uh, was determined by home ice, which is another reason why I said Carolina's built barn was rocking. And when that's carried through, it's going to carry through the second round is because they're money on home ice. And since they're a one seed, they're going to have home ice at least this next series. They'll probably lose it the next, if they go, then they'll lose it the next one, but it means a lot. Yeah, no, the Canes have been hot. Uh, It's so interesting to me because not a lot of people pick them to win this year, but they definitely have a team that can. The, um, the part that scares me is is Antti Ranta. He is a backup goalie. He's yeah. not he's not a number one. Their number one guy is still hurt. Every time I look at him in net, I get I cringe a little bit because I just don't see him being the guy to clinch a series. But at the same time, historically, you look at like Detroit's teams when they win, they won with like all right goalies. You doesn't take it doesn't take a Bennington having the best year of his life to to win a cup. So it can be done. It just it's one of those unforeseen things, you know. You got you got to make a pick and go with it. The, the, and that was my point going into this series: is the Canes have enough offensive firepower to overcome some of their defensive woes right now and their lack of goaltender, you know, experience at this point. That said, no, if that continues forward, I think it will be an issue the further they progress. Um, I, I think you're going to see, you know, some of that in the second round. 
And for sure, if they get past uh, the second round, that team that comes out is probably going to be the Lightning. So best best prepare that <laughs> goalie for uh, some some shots from Stamkos, Kucherov, and all the other accompanying uh, veterans because. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Like I said, I, I'm still on the fence, but they are still built to win. And if they can get their goaltender back at some point, then that would be a huge boost. So what do we think about the Rangers beating the Penguins? I believe Daniel and I had the Rangers win in, or did you have the Penguins win in? I was the only person in our pool that actually picked the Penguins, and it almost happened, but the Penguins just choked the last two games. It was bad. Um, but Sydney was also out. Uh, game six, I believe that was a yeah. huge problem. Uh, I think they had some, you know, they were kind of nursing some injuries. Um, they just could not close it out for whatever reason. But they definitely, they definitely could have won that series easily. They just, they just couldn't put it home. Oh. Um, well, Igor, here's what happened. Igor it did not look super solid either in that series, which is kind of a big question mark moving forward uh, for the Rangers. So. It was really a story of blowing the lead. The yeah. Penguins had a 3-1 to one series lead. They lost three in a row. So that makes the Rangers the first team in history to win by three consecutive. Not only three consecutive, three consecutive comeback wins. Yeah. They had a, they were leading. They had the lead in each game. That's what I'm saying. Each game. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, they, they were swapping in and out goaltenders as well. Um, Sydney getting hurt didn't help. And then, like I said, they could have easily won because Igor did not look good. He really did not look good in the series. Um, as good of a year as he had in the regular season, and he's going to win the Vesna this year, he did not look good in the playoffs where it counts. And somehow they still got to the, the, the second round. So that said, good luck, Igor, against the Hurricanes because they lost game one. It was a closer game one. But that said, it's going to be interesting moving forward for uh, the Rangers. I just... If he can't put it together like he was during the regular season, he was making up for a lot of their defensive woes on the back end. The Rangers still can score, but the defense is not very there, and he made up for it a lot this season. And if he's not clicking, it's going to be a long series for the Rangers. I've got another note in in my notepad that says that the Rangers have looked very good, and they're very high in stats in the third period. They don't allow a lot of chances against. They don't allow a lot of goals. So uh, tonight they're playing game two tonight, and I'm going to have to remember that for whenever I'm putting in my money line bets and stuff. Because you can bet – not only can you bet which team wins, Kyle, but you can bet the action for each for each period and what happens yep. each period. So I'm going to be betting the Rangers in the third period tonight for sure. All right, then, Matt and Daniel, second round has started. We've seen a couple of games. Lightning and the Panthers. Of course, so we've talked about that earlier. Lightning lead the series 2-0. Hurricanes and the Rangers. Hurricanes leads lead the series 1-0. They play tonight, as Matt has told us, on his money line bets. Western side, Flames and Oilers, which has been ridiculous battle of Alberta because... <laughs> 15 goals. I, I checked this game before I went to bed, and it was like 3-1. Wake up in the morning, 9-6. to six. Uh, Oh, my yeah, goodness. It was like each team scored three goals at a time. It was like three each, each period. And I'm like... Because I checked it in the second, and it was like 6-3. to three. And then the next thing I know, it's like eight to six or whatever. And I'm like, goodness. Like I said earlier, they scored 15 goals. That was more than half of the entire goal scored in the Flames in Dallas series. So if you're out there, just a pro tip right now, pick the over. Yeah, I had the just over pick, that night. Just pick the over 
because there's no defense. This is all high-flying, high-shot volume action. It's got McDavid. It's got Goudreau in it. I mean, it literally looks like a track meet, does it not? I mean, it's just nonstop skating. I don't think there's a whistle until the puck goes in the net. Yeah, and you know, it, not to mention that, but the history of the Battle of Alberta going back for like they haven't met in like thirty years in the playoffs yeah, so or something. Good. So this is the juice right here, the high flying matchup that we've been looking for in the West. Just hadn't seen it yet. I'm all in on the Battle of Alberta. I also like the Battle of Florida. I think that's pretty cool too. But uh, Battle of Alberta, let's go. So whoever wins the Battle of Alberta, do you think that that team is going to come out? strong enough to actually beat the winner of the Blues and the Avalanche because the series is tied 1-1 right now. And I have got a feeling, just myself thinking about this, that this Flames-Oilers game is going to be so massive each game that whoever wins is probably going to be dog-tired and may not be able to play the winner of the Avalanche-Blues very well. Well, this is an interesting point. The Blues stole a game from the Avalanche. Yeah, they did. In Colorado, where there have been lights out. I mean, remember that last week I told I said something their their regular season record. It was something absolutely stupid good. I don't have it with me on, on hand, but the fact that they did it and they were able to and game one was close. Game one was very close too, and they almost stole that one too. So that said, uh, not a lot of people are talking about this, but I think this Blues Avalanche series is going to be a lot tighter than we thought it was going to be. I mean, obviously, I picked the Blues, and that was a long shot, but I thought the Blues were going to lose this series just by how well the Avalanche were playing. We're going to see because the Blues are a very physical team, and I think that is one of the big things that has been neutralizing some of these high-flying teams. So if the Blues, per se, make it past the Avs, that's going to be an interesting matchup against one of these high-flying teams again. Like The Blues kind of seem to be built for these teams that like offense you know what i mean like they like to check they like to slow things down a little bit more they're going to slow it down and kind of grind it out and get that two goal one goal win and that's what they've been doing so uh i don't know i I think it's going to be interesting to see because it's two polar opposite teams playing right now in that in that matchup and if one of those emerges victorious it say colorado advances well then you're going to get another high flying matchup regardless so like either way just take the over (laughs) so I have to say, I'm pulling for the Blues. Uh, I've got them in my bracket, but really, honestly, the uh, the Colorado fan base has kind of been pissing me off lately with how much they're riding McCarr. Oh, dude. It's just like, you're a one-trick pony. We get it. You like McCarr. Can you talk about something else, or are you going to be like super annoying about it the whole time? So, I'm over Colorado fans. Give me St. Louis. Let's go. And I guess that means we finally have to talk about the uh, elephant in the room, and that is that the Preds got sweeped by the Avalanche for the first time in franchise history. Shocker. And I think the team's going to need to do a lot of soul searching. So besides getting swept 4-0 in the playoffs, the Preds finished the regular season 16th overall in the league, which means since they're the first team out, they're drafting 17th in the first round, dead middle, probably won't get anything good. We finished our conference 8th, we finished the division 5th, and we finished our record with 45 30 and 7, good enough for a .591, which again just makes me think we're just a Midland team. And it seems like the fan base has been very vocal on Twitter, especially. I haven't even checked Facebook, but I know they've been very vocal there. If they want to see changes. But GMDP had a presser yesterday on Thursday and basically said um, he claimed that we're here to build a team that can 
and ultimately win the Stanley Cup. This year, we made promises, but by no means are we satisfied, and it's hard to win in this league. That's not an excuse, but it is a reality. So I will say this, and we'll start our questions with this. Can the Preds right now win the Cup with how the team is composed, or should there be changes made in the offseason? Well, um, I've got a lot to say on the topic, Kyle. <laughs> it seems that I'm the only one who's not super mad. Uh, you know, we did Twitter poll, and it was like, what do you want to see this year? You want to see uh, GMDP fired, coach fired, total rebuild. And I was like, I don't really want to see anything change. I thought you did pretty good. So I'm on the team of, I'm fine. I don't think you need to be competing for a cup, but you made the playoffs. You're, you know, you're in the middle. I, if you're in the middle, I don't think that's a rebuild. You can't rebuild. You would have to lose a lot of assets to put it into rebuild to try to go to the bottom five. So I think that's a little bit unrealistic as well. <coughs> Excuse me. So we're going to talk about contract signings as well. Uh, we got a lot to discuss, but we saw that John Hines recently got a two-year extension, I believe, uh, today in that presser. So where do you want to go next, Dan? Listen, Preds fans, y'all need to chill, okay? Uh, at the beginning of the year, no one picked this team to make the playoffs. Every analyst, even some of the people locally, did not pick this team to make the playoffs. You had some great individual performances this year that led this team to making that. One was Soros. He got injured. Two, you got basically the combination of Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg, and that line was fantastic. I mean, you have two 40-plus goal scorers. We've never had one. Well, we have two now. Incredible. Great chemistry that was built on that line. That is something that you hopefully look forward to years to come with the contract extension. That said, Roman Yossi. I don't know what else we have to say. He literally had one of the best seasons ever as a defenseman. Literally, I, I mean... Arguably, it is one of the best seasons ever as a defenseman. Never happened in the salary cap era. He's the first to do it. So that is now the standard for the salary cap era, in my opinion. So he is also a finalist for the Norris. Saros is a finalist for the Vesna. Oh, Yossi's also a finalist for the Ted Lindsay Award for Most Outstanding, for voted on by the players, by the way. So that goes to show you um, who the players are favoring over Makar. Because I don't even think Makar was on the list. He wasn't. Yeah, good point. So, I mean, Hedman himself, who finished like two points behind McCarr, said his vote would go to Yossi, okay? So, calm down, Colorado fans. As Matt said earlier, you can get off that train. Yossi's going to win the Norris. But that said, I, I, I think you need to temper expectations right now. This team outperformed what should have happened this year because it was supposed to be a rebuild year because you were already introducing the youth movement. The roster went from super old to super young. I mean, we have like 19-year-olds starting. Okay? You made the playoffs. That is a success. That does not mean that there are holes in the lineup. Tolvanen did not play very well. Cunning and Cousins absolutely tailed off. And they're a little bit, you know, they're kind of in like the 25 to 28-year-old range. So... That's not really good as far as performance. You got some other people in the pipeline coming up, too. Um, they just signed that. They goalie. just signed Askarov. Uh, the plan is for him to spend the entire summer with their goaltending coach in Nashville. So that is a great thing for him. He's come over from Russia. That was the best thing from him. He now can get all the attention he needs. He can get the hands-on personal training. More than likely, 
It seems like Ingram might get the nod for backup because they already said Richie's out. Shocker. Um, so if Ingram gets that step up, then you can make the point that Askarov will probably start in Milwaukee all of next year getting reps. And probably the next season after that could be the backup for Saros because he is the heir apparent, hopefully, in the future. That said, you have people in the pipeline. Luke Evangelist killed it in the OHL. Uh, I mean, what he had like a goal per game. Matt's favorite player that he didn't know about until obviously. Just throw that out for the hipster vibes. Oh, I've got, got my eye on the guy over there in the OHL. Yeah, 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 that said. But, the, I mean, he did lead the OHL completely. He was fourth in points and like 10 plus in goals. I mean, he, he destroyed in goals. Um, so that said, you have some prospects coming up that are, you know, younger that could, could infuse some of these holes in the lineup. Um, I think the biggest question right now is that Forsberg contract. And I know they, they seem to be getting close, but I think it's the numbers thing and it's down to how long and, you know, like they just got to figure out the, the business side of stuff. That said, the Preds after uh, the, the Preds priority number one needs to be signing Forsberg. And then after that, you have the cap space to go after some other people, some other restricted, unrestricted free agents out there to fill in some of these holes. And I, there are going to be some turnover with the roster this year. Um, while somebody else takes it over, I'm going to pull up cap friendly to kind of see who we have kind of like on the fringe about ready to go out. But Kyle, you had some thoughts. Yeah. So I uh, want to get real quick to Matt's talk about the coaching. So big news came out of the league. Uh, Islanders fired Barry Trotz, which was a massive because he took that team led them to basically two conference finals. First time they get out underneath this leadership and Lou Lamarillo said, you're done, which I thought was stupid to just fire him like that. And Lou basically said, I'm the one that makes the decisions. Their players weren't consulted. Nobody was consulted. I simply just said, I'm done. And it's already been a very vocal crowd from the Preds fan base in various places that they would like Trotz to come back. But I don't think that's going to happen because you've got a lot of other coaches' uh, vacancies open that he can go to. And some people even inquired by him going into Preds management, which I don't think he would either because he just seems like somebody who would not relish the idea of being in a management. But Hines and his staff got renewed for two years. There was an option for one season to be done, so they did that and they've added a year. Do you guys think that was the correct uh, place for him or should he have tried to get somebody else such as Trotz, you know, for nostalgic sake? I can take it first. Um I think it was warranted because if you look at his record since coming here, it was funny. They flashed like Colorado's record for his, the head coach, and his was like a point five four nine or something, and Hines was like a point six one something since he took over for the Preds. So he's done what he's needed to. He came in in the middle of a season, and they still somehow made the playoffs. Granted, the I call it the play-in playoffs, but they, they still did make the playoffs. He has still led the team – to the playoffs regardless of the competitive rebuild that, you know, GMDP is talking about. And also, one important note in the press conference that I took away is uh, GMDP came out and said and addressed Hines' lack of postseason wins and said, I haven't given him the necessary pieces to win. So he actually took blame for it because... I mean, quite frankly, Hines' record, his overall win record has been great. It's just the depth hasn't been there since he started. And that just is what it is. We traded off several key players, and we started that competitive rebuild. So if 
he can get him some more pieces over the next couple years, which he talked about in his plan, like because they kind of lay it out in like five-year chunks, then who knows what Hines can do? You know, because I, I feel like he's making a pretty good progress with what he has. Uh, I mean, if you look at our lineup, there's not very many superstars as far as like depth. Like there are so many other teams that are built for the playoffs. Colorado, uh, the Leafs even. They got exited out in round one, he mentioned in the playoffs too. Um, the Lightning, they have so many veteran players. Like if you just look at that roster, there's so many like home names that any person would know in that lineup. We don't have that. Like any other out-of-market person watching our games is going to be like, okay, well, they got Soros, Yossi, Duchesne, and Forsberg. And that's basically it. Outside of that, they don't know anybody else on the team. And I think that's something that, you know, like I said, as they build the depth and grow these younger players, that's what they're hoping to do is plug in those spots. But it sounded like GMDP kind of took more of the responsibility on himself rather than Hines in the press conference. That's what I took away from it. I agree with that. He absolutely should have done that because the coach can only do with what he's done. So, and same thing with, I don't really hold playoff experience against them because you look at uh, the seeding you get. So, you know, the Preds weren't even supposed to make the playoffs. So, if you're going to gauge this based on getting swept by the best team in the West without your goaltender, who was the one of the best goalies of the league, that's not a good metric to gauge your success rate in the playoffs. And same thing with like, I don't really think the Maple Leafs fans should beat themselves up. So they went against the guy who won the Stanley Cup two years in a row. I mean, sometimes the matchups are what are what they are, and that tells more of a story than than the roster you have. So I don't really hold that against John Hines. Uh, I think seating definitely plays a factor into that. The uh, also for consideration as far as the signing or uh, re-signing of of Coach Hines, I think it's fine. I don't love him. I think he's doing a fine job. You're, you have a middle-of-the-road team. You have a, I think you have a middle-of-the-road coach. So you don't need a superstar talent. You don't have a superstar team. And uh, really, it's only two years, too, by the way. Yeah. That's, it, that's it, you didn't time. sign him to like a six-year contract. I do want to point that out. And um, I think you can be mad about the coach, and, and you can really be, I guess, picky whenever you're – a perennial playoff team. And I really don't think the Preds will make the playoffs this year. They shouldn't have made it this year. So if you're not making the playoffs, I don't think you have a right as a fan base to get mad about who your coach is. So I think it's fine. So looking at Cat Friendly really quick, I mean, <laughs> Cunning is a restricted free agent and Nick Cousins is an unrestricted free agent. Don't know if either of them will be back. Um, technically still on the cap hit is Matt Luff. He's a restricted free agent, but he was still on his rookie contract. Uh, Yakov Trenin, um, I have a feeling we will re-sign him, but he is a restricted free agent, meaning he will get paid more because he was at 725 So that's going to probably balance out some of the other ones. But you already have Tolvanen signed for several years at $1.4 million. Tomasino is still on his entry-level contract at 800000 because he's 20. Um, and, and that's just crazy to think. Janot is the same way. Michael McCarron's the same way. So you have all these players that are just getting, you know, basically like peanuts and they're getting developed, which is fantastic. Colton Sisson's designed through 2025-26 for $2.8 million. I mean, what a huge bargain that is. Uh, Mikhail Granlin's at $5 million. And look at how many points he had this year. Uh, basically divvying it up between um, Duchesne and Forsberg. So that said, that's looking like a fantastic deal right there compared to Ryan Johansson's contract at $8 million a year. 
Uh, I mean, so you have some of the pieces. Now, Forsberg will cost a chunk and will take some of that space moving forward. But if you can get him signed, you still have, right now you have $10 million in cap space. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens after you sign Forsberg and how much you have left after your restricted free agents and the people that are going, all the extra baggage. Because first of all, Ben Harper, he's gone. I'm sorry, unrestricted free agent. Just kick him out to the sun. It's okay. He's going to become our uh, Alexi Emblin of traffic cones. He's he's gone for sure. Like if they bring him back, I'm going to be absolutely shocked. So um, yeah, it it's going to be interesting to see the lineup you know, come day one of next season. Well, real quick, I want to ask about the statement GMDP made about Forsberg, because we are hoping he does come back, and both sides have basically indicated there is a mutual interest in staying. However, GMDP said one thing that's very interesting, and I'm really curious as to you guys' thoughts on this. He says, without getting into much detail, I would hope that you would think and believe that we have a plan B, C, and D if this does not work. But for today, and for the next month or so, as long as it takes, we're concentrating on getting Philip signed. And my curious question is, what is your plan B, C, and D? Because it seems like the entirety of your plan has been to get Forsberg signed. But what do you do if Forsberg does not sign? What would you guys say is a plan B, C, D, all the way to Z? I mean, it really seems like it's just a formality at this point when it gets done. It's just kind of like hashing out the details on price. It seems like I, I think he is going to give him a no movement clause that he wants, which it's whatever. We only have a few. Sometimes you got to come off of it to keep some of the players. Right now we don't have very many, so we lost one with Pekka. We had a no movement on him. We have one on I think Yossi, a partial I think on Ekholm, Ekholm. and that's I think that's it. So I mean, as far as other teams are concerned, like that that just is what it is. So that said. If you don't sign Forsberg, I don't know. Like, are you talking to them and being like, hey, can you at least let us try to trade you? Like, I, I don't know how that's going to work. Like, because it would have to be a trade and sign deal because the other team would also have to agree to paying him what he's wanting, you know, <laughs> like ahead of time, too. So, honestly, if that doesn't happen and he hits the free agent market and you're getting nothing in return, basically, you've staked your job on this. That's my opinion. Is you literally have staked your job? Well, I haven't said it. Um, I've been thinking it though, boys. Is it going to hurt your feelings? I am a little worried about you guys on the cap space. I think Forsberg is going to command such a penny, and you guys are already hampered with Duchesne and uh, who's the other one? We got uh, ten mil clear. Johansson. I think Yossi's on a big deal. I just makes me a little nervous. You're in a desperate place with trying to get him signed now Forsberg I think it's going to cost you and I, I just think it might be some trouble on the books coming up and that's that's a decision that you're worried about like what direction the team is headed well in no man's land if you're hurting on the books in a couple of years that's that's how you're going to stay in no man's land for longer than what you expected depending on whatever your plan is that's that's not what you want and that's, I haven't looked at the roster uh cap space like you said but that's just what I feel what what do you think Forsberg gets as a number because that uh, the thing is, they offloaded Arvidsson and Ellis 
and they have tons of cap space now. That that's that's the the reason why. And even Poyle mentioned that in the press conference. That was the attempt to sign Forsberg long term eventually. And ironically enough, he trades Ellis, and Ellis gets injured again, and it looks like basically he's going way downhill now in his career. So that was a great trade again um, by by GMDP to offload some of the books. But we have ten point two million in cap space, regardless of whatever else happens, like uh, all the people that leave. So. But here's the deal. So I think Forsberg, say he's worth $9 million. He'll probably yeah, want a little bit 10. more than that. Yeah, I think he's getting 10 I don't love that personally. Uh, you know me. I don't want to see six-plus years at $10 million. But so say you pay him $10 million, which is roughly the equivalent of what you have in cap space. So then that means you have no cap room. No, 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 no. That's not because we're paying him six already. So it's only a difference of four. Oh, uh, okay. You see what I mean? That's what I was trying to get at. You, okay, that you're, makes sense. You're going from like, say he even Gardner's 11 that's only 5 mil that means you have 5 million of cap space still free regardless of any of the other transactions that happen and Luke Cunning and Cousins are probably gone and that's like what are we paying oh my god Luke Cunning is getting 2.3 million right now and he scored 33 points this year <laughs> okay so he's probably gone okay that is not a good number for that production you know what I mean? Like, there are some people that are going to be gone. Um, that's what I was trying to get at is it's not like he's taking up all of your cap space. We already cleared that cap space ahead of time, but a good chunk of that extra will go away. So basically, you could say four to five million for Phil, and then you have basically another four to five ish for other acquisitions. Okay. Now, yeah, now that we're looking at it, that, that makes more sense and it actually looks pretty good. It looks like. Nashville has like the fifth or sixth most cap space yes. out of all the teams, which surprises me because I was about to compare it to Detroit. My hypothesis was that Detroit is at the cap floor and they've got all this money in hand because they're garbage. Well, only Nashville has what one million dollars less in cap space than than Detroit. Yeah, that and that's the crazy part is, and it 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 kind of surprised me as well. But because he got rid of Ellis and yeah. Arvidsson, those contracts got dumped. And like I said, you might not like the return for RV or Ellis, but it did free up our cap space to do what was necessary for the future and have a little bit to boot. So, like, honestly, if you get rid of Nick Cousins and uh, Cunning, I think Cunning's gone. I think Cunning's gone too. At 2.3, that's not cutting it. And that was one of the things that uh, David Poyle said in press conference today. He did. He specifically called out Cunning, said he's been underperforming or whatever. Well, here's the deal. Well, if you cut both of them, that's basically like three and a half million or something. Well, if Forsberg only commands four extra million, you still have like nine million cap space. You sign a couple extra people, you can sign Yakov Trenin. You can bring up one of the other rookies. Say Luke is looking really good. Well, that's another 19-year-old on your lineup on a rookie contract. And then you have eight to nine million to go out and get an unrestricted free agent. All you right. see what I mean? Yeah, you're that's talking what, me into that's it. That's what I was talking about. Is like good. That's what I was saying earlier is you have enough cap space to go fill in a couple of holes on a one- or two-year deal if you want to get an unrestricted free agent. So I haven't pulled up the list of UFAs either. Do we know who all was going to the market? Because I know there was a, a absolute like crazy list of people coming up. Do we have that one? Here we go. Oh, Malkin? <laughs> Yeah, Pittsburgh is going to get blown up in the offseason. Malkin, these are some of the big ones uh, with their previous hit. Malkin, Subban, which no one's going to pick him up for nine. Uh, oh, man, Kessel, Latang, Bergeron, but he's probably going to want to get paid. Um, 
It's going to be very interesting. So, I, I mean, you do have some bigger names out there, but I would definitely be looking in that that five million, four to five million range for some of the depth players that they, they're talking about. Because I think Poyle, even in the press conference, mentioned something about getting another piece for Ryan Johansson on the second line because they were so top-heavy this year. Because basically it was, um, uh, what, Granlin centering, and it was Duchesne and Forsberg on either side. And that was the line that tore up everybody this year. I mean, you had almost 90 goals between the two of them. <laughs> so that said, they really want to start improving that depth. And I could see them going out and looking for a second-line winger uh, to kind of compliment Johansson. Because Johansson, we give him a lot of crap. He did have a lot better year this this last year. It was definitely an improvement. So moving forward, I feel like you know that's going to be interesting. But there are, some, there are some whales on this list coming up. Well, I was going to make a, try to make a whale pun, but I will just go ahead and pass that. So, Matt, we're getting ready to close the episode down. Do you have any stats for us in this playoffs that we should be uh, talking about or be aware of? Yeah, I've got a couple... Uh, records I will make you aware of as we round out here. I mentioned, I saved this one. I I wanted to say it earlier, my boy Jake Ottinger, we were talking about him. The stat is that first series against Calgary, he faced 270 shots against, which is the fifth most shots against in a playoff series of all time. And uh, he was a man. And John Cooper is the fourth, uh, now has the fourth best playoff record as a coach all time. And I'm going to finish off with my boy, Scory Perry. He's been amazing. <laughs> He's my boy this year. And uh, he has now scored a playoff point against 17 different teams, which ties him for ninth most uh, different teams all time. Just another side note, I was going through these unrestricted free agents. Uh, Klingberg is also another one that could be commanding and also very interesting to look at. And Johnny Goudreau is also an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. That's going to be huge because looking at their cap <laughs> situation right now, uh, yeah, Flames got to sign several people in a hurry, and they only have 500,000 cap space. And they have to somehow sign Johnny, Matthew Kachuk. Um, it also looks like Majapani, who had like how many goals this last year? 35, 40? Yeah, I'm really quite surprised they're they're doing as well as they are compared to how many pieces they lost. Like, and they lost Jordana last year too. They're captain, so yeah. But they still. added so many. Callie Yarncrook is on this team for a million. Yeah. You think he's going to get a million next year? Probably not. Like, I, I, this is this is going to be very interesting for them. I and, you know who knows if they sign him, but I know Johnny Hockey is going to command a pretty penny. That's going to be north of ten mil. I would wager probably eleven mil. Uh, maybe going forward. So we'll see. Going to be some interesting uh, off-season, that's for sure. It's going to be fun speculation for us over the next couple of episodes. I do have one thing I do want to mention before we close it down, is that either of you see uh, Brady Kachuk wearing the uh, Matthew Kachuk Friendship Tour shirt in the stands for the Flames. I think the shirt's awesome, and I cannot find it, because if I could, I would buy it and I'd wear it. It's just an amazing shirt. Something I think you would wear too, Matt. Yeah, it, that was pretty awesome. A little bit of brother uh, brother rivalry slash love. It's pretty precious. That's awesome. Daniel, would you wear it? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm still trying to find uh, the Sharks did a Los Tiburones oh, dude. Uh, warm-up sweater. Warm-up sweater. In, in the arena, they gave away T-shirts, but they didn't actually produce it as a jersey except for the players. So I've been trying to find if they've done it yet. They still haven't. I thought about getting a t-shirt, but you know, they only have like XL they give away in the arena. So, but I'm looking for that one to come in print Kyle, cause that's going to be on my list. 
Well, I now know what to get you for Christmas if I can find it. But guys, that is a show for today. Thank you so much for joining us. If you want to follow us, you can find us in several different places. First and foremost is going to be uh, iTunes. You can find us at Music City Gold or on the Penalty Box Radio iTunes feed. You can find us on Twitter at Music City Gold. And finally, if you enjoy YouTube and you enjoy our videos, you can subscribe to us on YouTube at Music City Gold. Until next time, we will see you on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at Steve Dan Drum, and Matt at MattBane31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.